I'm Taffer. And I'm Bailey. Welcome to Yeah, the show where we talk about young adult lit and what it can teach us at any age. This is our book club and you're invited. Yeah! Yeah! We'd like to take this time to acknowledge that the studio where we record is situated within the traditional and unsurrendered territories of the Ganyangahaga First Nations. As settlers, it's important that we remember that the lands we occupy are not our own, and that we engage in conversations that challenge the colonial mindset. We encourage you to take some time today, and every day, to reflect on your relationship with the land you live on and the indigenous communities of that area. I think this week has given us a lot of opportunities to um, see how the violent settler police state does harm, and uh, I hope we're all thinking about ways we can offset that harm and dismantle those structures. So speaking of, I don't know why I was going to say speaking of nothing anyway i'm excited because we're talking about a shit book this week we are and we're talking about a shit book basically because in our last meeting i said we're gonna talk about a shit book no surprises there (laughs) tepper's agenda is always more ship books more ship books i will not rest until there are more ship books in the world so today we are reviewing fable by adrian young This book has been on my agenda for a long time and, well, I mean, as long as it's been released, I think (laughs) it was released in 2020. So it's been on my radar since, you know, last year sometime, which means about 10 years in regular time because 2020 passed in dog years. But my partner, Tom, actually gave this to me for Christmas, which is a very good Christmas present because I really like ships. <laughs> and it's the why do we record these on the end of the day a Friday? <laughs> like nobody's in a good nobody's in a good position by the end of the day Friday. It's true. Nobody Ugh. has their best brain on. <laughs> you do really you love ship books though. It is it is one of your favorite genres. I have always loved ship books. Loved That's ship fair. books. I have loved ship books. Since I read The Voyage of the Dawn Treader at probably about five. I love shit books. Mm, fair. So this so- is very much a shit book. It is the story of 17-year-old Fable. She's um, It's in a fantasy world, but I like it because it doesn't feel overly fantasy. It's kind of, I think, in a fantasy world so that the author can invent certain politics and trading systems more than so that people can have magical powers. I think I've stated my opinion before. That I would like more young adult historical fiction that is not fantasy, but this book I think kind of settles into that notch for me, despite being technically fantasy. Yeah, it's interesting. I was thinking about that reading it because there's like a very tiny amount of magic, but like very very tiny, and so it is much more just sort of like historical fiction that's not actually historical because it is set in a different world, but it's. It's in most ways just sort of, it, it's not a mad, it's not an overwhelmingly magical world. It's just one that has like a different like political structure. Yeah, exactly. I guess we could call the gem saging magic. I do want to talk about it because I think it's very cool. Um, the mm-hmm. magic in it is really kind of, it's, it's very close to like magic as a spiritual practice in our world and less yeah. close to like dragons and fairies. 
But Fable is the daughter of the most powerful trader in the Narrows, which is the sea where she lives, the region where she lives. Um, she has always lived on ships. Four years ago, her mother drowned during a storm. Her father abandoned her on an island, and she's just kind of been making her way. This is the story of Fable getting off that island and sort of finding her new life. There's a lot to it. It's thick and it it's, I think it's well paced, but certainly a lot happens in it. And it's not, mm-hmm. it's not fast paced. It didn't drag, but it's just a pretty like steady Mm-hmm. Th- things don't happen like super 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 fast and dramatically i think yeah i was i didn't i i was okay with the pacing i was grumpy with how long it took her to make friends mm. because i don't i am not a fan of the genre of like i am alone in the world and everybody is against me protagonist and the first half of this book is that and i was like no make friends <laughs> That's interesting because I, I mean, she is alone and she is lonely and she is not very socially apt, as in the opposite of inapt. But I actually didn't feel that it fell into the like, I am alone and the world is against me trope because of how much she wanted to make connection. I think she had this Mm. real yearning for family and connection from the beginning. And I understand, like, you are a very social creature and and like to have social interactions in your stories. Uh, And I know that reading this, I was like, I'm not sure this is a Bailey book. This is like, I Mm -hmm. love this book. Uh, I Yeah, I've been sort of going back and forth on that. But I think I do. I think having finished it, I, I like it. And I will talk more about why. Um, I think mm-hmm. I'm going to reread it someday whenever I have time to reread books, which may never happen again. But I like that she she's, you know, a little closed off. She's a little bit of that trope of sort of nobody's ever been kind to me, so I don't trust anybody. Mm-hmm. But she really wants to be able to trust people. She really wants to be able to make connections. And a lot of her character is sort of challenging this assumption that to live in the hard scrabble world of trading you can't love anybody and I think just like taking a broader perspective of YA lit I think I think it's good to have some characters who do feel alone and do have trust issues just because that's very common for youth and like Mm -hmm. I think that's a character that a lot of youth can relate to Oh, yeah. To be clear, I'm not saying that I think that 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 makes this a bad book. I'm just saying I did not like it and it made me grumpy. Yes. (laughs) Which is, I mean, I think something about this book is that that I found reading it is that it's absolutely it's a book for an audience. This is a book you're either going to really like and really like getting into the world and Mm -hmm. really enjoy it or or it's not going to be for you. Mm -hmm. And like, I mean, as previously established, I read books that take place on ships. I read Master and Commander, despite that being like very much not my genre. <laughs> um, that is my mm-hmm. my weakness. Is like if there's a lot of really detailed description of sails, and like uh, you have somebody climbing the rigging and watching the sunrise, and like there's somebody who has a nice relationship with a seabird. There's mm-hmm. some like rough hewn man who seems really harsh but has a soft heart uh and you know i'm i'm a real sucker for red-haired girls swinging through the rigging um and and who boy does this book have that in spades this book does you have a very specific type and uh, yeah <laughs> are you a redhead but are you swinging through the rigging of a ship 
<laughs> yes, yes. I uh, really wanted to do semester at sea uh, as a teenager. Mm. I wanted to like sail on the tall ships. If you are a red-haired girl swinging through rigging, please, uh, <coughs> you know, we've got an email address. You can follow me on Twitter. Uh, Slide into Tepper's DMs is what they're saying. <laughs> that is what I'm saying. <laughs> so, yes. Yo-ho, yo-ho. This is the life for me. So, you mentioned this a little bit, but I'm actually curious. I want, like, what is it about ship books that you love so much? Because I, like, I'm very indifferent to ship books. So I'm very curious about like what it is about ship books that is like yes for you. I mean, I feel like the answer to that is probably close to the answer of like what is it about horse books, right? Like mm-hmm. why are horse books? And I think that's how we coined the phrase ship books. Um, <laughs> is that I I mean like I had as a kid I had like books. I had like multiple books that were literally just about different kinds of ships. <laughs> okay. Like so I was just that you really sorry. Okay. I really like ships. I think they're very cool. Um, I like nautical history. Uh, mm-hmm. I really love the ocean. Like, I think that's also been established. I love the sea. Yeah. And I spent, like, a pretty good portion of my life in Boston, which is a port town with a lot of naval history. Um, one of my favorite things to do as a teenager was take the ferry out to the Harbor Islands, which are islands in the mm-hmm. Boston Harbor. And um, there's a lot of sailing ships and there's a lot of like ruined forts and you can run around and smell the sea mm-hmm. and pretend that you're waiting for your ship to come in. And I also uh, took sailing for like several summers because oh. in Boston at the uh, Charles River Basin, there is a nonprofit sailing school, which was set up in the 1920s by a man who thought poor kids should be able to know how to sail. Um, so at the time, I don't know if the rates are still the same, but at the time you paid a dollar for your membership card if you were under 18 and then could just take sailing lessons like all summer. That's, and it was great. That's so cool. It was really cool. So I love sailing. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really neat. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's, that I mean, I'm, just a, I'm just a big boat nerd like when it yeah. comes down to it. I don't think I knew that it extended, like, to boats in general. Because you always talk about just loving ship books and not necessarily talk wax about loving ships. So I, th- this makes sense. It, it's like me and horse books. I mean, this makes I, sense to me. I think there is a second layer to it, which is, you know, it's mm-hmm. like loving a bottle episode on TV. Like, mm. a ship book always has a bottle episode where everything is happening on the ship something's going on mm-hmm. you know it's someone on the ship that's doing it and yeah. that's really cool too like there's a level of intrigue uh in a ship book that i really really like um and it's also just you know it's adventure like you pull up to port mm-hmm. what's it gonna be what's happening here that's fair yeah i just like you it know- <laughs> I think I figured out what it is that I don't like about ship books because I'm thinking you talking about that and I'm like thinking about how one of my favorite books of all time is set on a spaceship and I absolutely love it mm-hmm. and it's just crystallizing for me that one of the main reasons that I don't like ship books is because like you for me to like really get into like a story especially like a spe- speculative fiction story is unless it's like dystopian and you like don't want to be in that world because it's dystopian is to like want to be able to sort of picture myself in the world mm-hmm. um and and i get stuck because like you don't get to take baths on ships and everything is like constantly like wet and mildewy 
and you're dirty, and it just feels very unpleasant. And I, <laughs> I think I, like, can't get past that when I'm reading ship books. Well, you have to keep your ship clean. There's a mm. reason ship shape is. <laughs> yes. No, I mean, I think when it comes down to it, probably, like, 18-year-old me would have had a blast doing a semester at sea. 30-year-old me, I, I don't know if I would really enjoy spending three months on a wooden ship without running water. However, it's a fun fantasy, and it's an escapism, yeah. too, you know? I think that was an element for me getting into it as a kid. There's the idea of mm-hmm. running away to sea and, and making your new life. There's always just, like, there's always just, like, a lot of, like, like hot people hanging around. There's, like, authority figures. There's, like, an intrigue mm-hmm. there. But, yeah, yeah it's a no, specific totally life. And now, I don't know if I would get into it, like, now. Mm-hmm. Being not into the comfort. But, no, it does still thrill me. Yeah. No. That totally makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. I can't believe I didn't wear my sailor sweater for this recording. Oh, no. Um, but yeah, and I, I can see that. I can see why those aspects are appealing. And I did, I did genuinely like the second half of this book. Once, like, once she becomes like friends with the crew, mm-hmm. then I was there for it. I this book really surprised me. I okay. I thought that I had kind of all the twists and turns figured out. I thought I knew where it was going. And um, and it continuously surprised me, which especially when you're as familiar with young adult lit as we are, mm-hmm. is pretty impressive, actually, all things considered. Okay. Um, I yeah, it was nice to read this and think like, oh, now this is going to happen. Mm-hmm. And it didn't happen. I will okay. say I don't know if this is a criticism or something I appreciated yet. OK, I felt a little queer baited, mm. but... I don't know that I'm mad about it. Like, with the main character? Yeah, and there's, like, two people prominently. There's, like, Willa and West on the ship. Mm -hmm. And for, like, a considerable part of the book, I was just like, I don't know which one of them she's falling for. Mm. (laughs) It was just like, I could see this go either way. That's fair. I did not have that sense, I don't think. But I can see how that would come that would come up yeah it's like you know there's there's the different Mm -hmm. tropes there's the enemies to lovers trope right yeah and i just didn't know if it was going from the enemies to lovers trope or the enemies to friends trope and there is there it is set up it's set up to make you think there's a love triangle going on for a while too Mm -hmm. and like sometimes you know love triangles do the bait and switch yeah so that's it i did i was very happy that the love triangle ended up not actually being a thing because love triangles annoy me. Yeah. I liked that. I thought that that was like an interesting... I did not see that twist coming. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was interesting. I was going to say, I liked that there were, speaking of queer stuff, that there were just casual queers casually existing in this book. There were. And what's more, they were casual queers casually existence, uh, casually existing who love birds. And I like that. True. <laughs> I'm here for that. Um... Yeah, I think um, as we're talking about this, I think kind of this thing that keeps coming back, coming back, is that this is a book that explores the vulnerability of love, and it Mm -hmm. explores the vulnerability of love in a lot of different contexts. You have romantic love with with queer and straight couples, you have parent-child love, you have uh, friendship love, you have sibling love, and 
And there's really an examination of how each form of love makes you vulnerable and sort of is it worth it? Like when is the vulnerability worth it? And I really liked that. I mean, it's not yeah. as in its feelings, right? Like this is, this isn't like as tender queer a book as some of the ones we've re- we've read. Um, no, <laughs> it's it's a much like I mean, it's a it's a shit book. It's tough. Everybody's taking care of themselves. Um, mm-hmm. It does, man. I'm really the more I talk about this, the more I'm like, yeah, this is a good book. It does really, really look at the ties that bind us together and mm-hmm. how loving is a fundamental human need, even though it's also a fundamental human risk. Yeah, and I do really like that that's sort of like the ultimate message of it is like, and that like you can be strong despite, like you can be strong and be someone who has a lot of emotions and who like cares deeply about people. Mm -hmm. Um, And I like that. Well, and it's not, I mean, I'm thinking about it, like it's not even just vulnerability as in I have to be strong, it's also vulnerability as in like protecting the people you love Mm -hmm. and like it's true I guess it really resonated for me as somebody who like is really terrified at the prospect of losing the people I love like I am yeah one of the ways my anxiety manifests is that I am just constantly painfully achingly aware of like how devastating it would be to lose any of the people I love same um I can (laughs) hard relate (laughs) so reading a book that really kind of takes a hard look at like what is the alternative to that is really Mm. interesting we do get to see and I think we'll see more of this in the second book namesake which has uh, just come out in which I ordered promptly after finishing fable Um, I think we'll be exploring it even further okay but you know you have the difference Uh, between Fable's relationship with her mother and Fable's relationship with her father. And you have, I don't want to spoil too much because this is a recent release, but you just have a lot of different people handling the fact that they love each other and the fact that that love makes the people they love vulnerable and just Mm -hmm. handling it in lots of different ways. Yeah, it's interesting. It's a good theme. So this is just like a tiny secondary character. There's one little secondary character who crops up in the middle of this book who I liked so much, and that is Leo. I just want to know more about him. Like, every now and then in a book, there's like a secondary character who crops up, and you're just like, this is a sparkling, polished gem of a character. Like, it's obvious that the author knows this character so well. And mm-hmm. Leo is one of those characters who just kind of like like in a ship book, in every ship book, there's mm-hmm. always a lot of secondary characters who are all just like extras. Right. They're just kind of like they all look the same and like they've all been through mm-hmm. hair and makeup and they all look kind of dirty and they're wearing sort of brown and green. And then we have yeah. Leo, who is an ex sailmaker turned tailor who still secretly makes sales even though he really, really should not. It's very illegal for him to do so because there are really strong unions in this world. And he was, I mean, he's really, he's in there for like, I don't know, 20 pages, but he's delightful. And I loved that. That was a nice little bonus. Yeah, he is very interesting. And I do, you, it's fun when you get a secondary character who like clearly, yeah, like has a whole backstory. 
Because, yeah, there's this very strong, like, implication that it's, like, yeah, like, he, like, in this case, he's making sales, like, because he feels indebted to the people who are asking him. But there's this, like, strong suggestion that also he just, like, he makes sales even though, yeah, it's very illegal for him not to just because he fucking loves making sales. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's just like, oh, yeah, I can have them done in two days. And they're like two days and he's like yeah yeah absolutely no no question they're like how are you gonna do it he's just like don't ask questions it's like yeah he just has a stash of sales that he makes yeah Yeah. or yeah yeah it's great i i i agree i also pictured him as like just like this very like dandy gentleman yes absolutely Um, yeah i i pictured him as a very specific person and now I can't remember, like, where this character is from, but okay. there's, like, a character I've seen on TV, or <laughs> this isn't helpful. <laughs> no, describe it, I'm trying to guess who it is. Okay, so he's, like, he's, like, a little round, bald guy who, like, is some kind of Middle Eastern, I think, but maybe Greek, and often has, like, a large mustache and sort of just boops around. I think I'm seeing him wearing purple. I'm so bad at actor names. Like, anybody who's hear me, heard me try to cast things with Caddy knows that I don't know actor names. And he has, like, a little bit of an accent, and he's fancy. I feel like I can kind of picture this, but I'm also yeah. bad at actor names. Anyway, now you all know what Leo looks like to me. If you know that. who this is that I'm describing, please tell me. <laughs> please, please tweet at me and let me know. I, I'm down. I like it. Um, it's amazing. So let's, uh, let's get into, because I, I want to talk a little bit about the concept of the gem sage. Mm-hmm. The way the business world works, and it seems that this, this is a very mercenary society. Um, mm-hmm. Society is pretty much run by the trade unions uh, and the traders guilds, which is cool. Yes. It's, mm-hmm. it's it's cool to see a world where it's, like, really built around being kind of a, like, workers-led society. Um, mm-hmm. So Fable is what's called a dredger, which is essentially somebody who mines gems underwater. Mm-hmm. And uh, she is also, we find out kind of further on in the book, a gem sage, um, which I think is a very cool concept and I liked it a lot. A gem sage is somebody who innately hears, feels, understands gems. Mm-hmm. Um, and we get the impression that she, well, no, we know for sure her mother was a very accomplished gem sage. Fable was supposed to apprentice under her to learn it. Mm-hmm. But since her mom died when she was a young teen, she didn't get the chance to finish. But she can, like, go past a place where there are gems to be mined and feel that they are there. She can feel caches of them. She can tell which gems are authentic and which are not. Um, And it's just sort of an innate, instinctive thing for her. And I think it's really cool. And that's what I mean by it feeling like kind of more like magic... Like, it definitely makes me think of, like, working with gems, right? Or doing, like, energy work or Mm -hmm. something just sort of amplified. And I think it's really cool. I'm looking forward to seeing how it develops further, as I think it will in Namesake. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I also really liked that. And I kind of want to, like, there's actually an aspect of it that I feel like I maybe interpreted a little bit differently than you did that I thought was really, really cool, which was, like, it is, so it is, like, there is something of an innate ability about it. But I liked that it really emphasized that it's also learned. 
Mm-hmm. Like it's like you get the sense that it's like like she can do these things because she has this innate ability, but also because she was taught how to do it. Right. And it, it's like not anybody could learn how to be a gem sage, but you also like if you have the innate ability, you do have to like learn how to use it. And I think that's really cool. Um, and I did really like I liked all the like diving parts, even though I got like stressed out that she was going to run out of air, and and all the like gems and stuff. That was really fun. I think I think I don't. Ag- disagree with you I think so like if I'm gonna tie it to like magic practices because I already have so I'm just gonna keep doing it when you're like being a witch (laughs) you figure out like what resonates for you and like you'll be drawn Mm -hmm. to different things like some people people are reading tarot a lot right like everybody has tarot cards and I'm not drawn to that at all like it doesn't Mm -hmm. hold any meaning for me it's not something I have any interest in but like I'm very interested in like plants and herbs and like green and growing things which is why I call myself a green witch so I sort of see it as that where it's like she has an innate kind of draw to it and she could not have that Mm. innate draw but because she has it then her mom can teach her like how to use it and like how to develop it yeah and I I I do think that's really cool and I'm also I'm very curious and I probably will end up reading the sequels because I'm curious if we're gonna see like other kinds of sort of quasi-magic like the gem sages show up. Right. Um, I may be really into this too much, but I'm, like, very curious if there's, like, something, like, slightly magical going on with... It's Oster who's really into the birds, right? Yeah. So there's one character who, like, always, like, feeds the seabirds, and it's sort of part of this, like... There's this, like, lore among sailors that seabirds, like, carry the souls of those who are drowned at sea. Mm-hmm. And so you should, like be nice to them because then you will have good luck yeah and I think this is partially because I read another book there's a different book that I've read in which like birds carry the souls of the dead and there's this character who can like talk to them and so I'm like very curious if there's something like interesting like going on with like Oster in that regard of like he actually like has a connection to to the birds or like to the dead through the birds anyways Definitely. And again, like, because in, I I get the sense, I haven't actually read a synopsis yet or anything, but I think Mm -hmm. that Namesake, in Namesake Fable, does go to the other country that's mentioned, Mm. which is where Oster, Oster, I tried to call him Oscar, which is where Oster and Paj are from. And now I can't remember the name of it, so, like, I have to find it. But but I I have a feeling we're going to see more of Leo. I have a feeling we're going to learn more about Oster and Paj. Um, Mm -hmm. And because it is dangerous, like it's dangerous for Fable to let people know she's a gem sage. Mm -hmm. So like because of that, yeah, there's the possibility that there are a lot of people who have these abilities who just can't talk about it, right? Mm -hmm. Which is a very cool idea. That's it. This book is built in so many ways on secrets and on on uncovering information just a tiny bit at a time and even the reader I think one of the ways it really draws the reader into its world is that you also are learning things on a need-to-know basis yes and that means that it can really surprise you in very big ways Mm -hmm. but I even felt like with the the like love the relationship that develops in it I felt like even that was like 
because Fable is not letting herself see her feelings, we also don't see her feelings for a very long time. Mm. Um, which is cool. I like that. I think it's more interesting than having 300 pages of yearning, you know? I think it's more interesting okay. to have these feelings just unfurl slowly. That's fair. Yeah, I definitely did, like, see that coming from the beginning. Mm -hmm. Oh, I mean, I does, saw it. It does. <laughs> yeah. But it's true. It does, like, she does not figure it out for a while which is which is interesting and i doubted it a couple of times um okay. i did read this book a lot more slowly than i've read other books because i got in december i i Fair. it was kind of a treat you know i usually just have to tear through these and this one i've just been like working on in little sections at Ooh. a leisurely pace it's unbelievable what? <laughs> it's also just like it's pretty <laughs> The book is pretty. Like, both the cover... I mean, we've established my, my thing for redheads, but, like, both the cover and the world is really pretty. There's a lot of rich color, and you have, you know, gems that are singing and warm, and you have mm -hmm. water and 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 coral reefs, and, coral reefs. I don't know why I tried to make that, like, sleeves. And you know nice tea sets and her hot dad in a nice blue coat which is something that I now want to sew so badly I got my new sewing machine and I'm thinking about all the things I can do with it and I was like I want to make myself a ship captain coat um, I also like you've entirely extrapolated that he's hot I don't think that's specified <laughs> no he's called handsome a number of times oh okay, okay. also come Sorry. on he's hot Please. But yes, it is a beautiful book. I am, speaking of like the cover, because it's making me think of the title and the main character's name, I really hope that in Namesake we're going to find out why she's named Fable. Because I will admit that I was a little bit like, I feel like if you have a character named Fable, you have to give a reason for it. I have a feeling that in the book named Namesake, we might find out something about names. It's just a hunch. <laughs> That's that's why I said it. Yes. Yeah. Listen. Yes. But yes, I hope that we will find out because I was slightly like, I was like, mm, why is she named Fable? So I will be less that if we do in namesake, find out why her name is Fable. Yeah, it'll be exciting. Well, I'm looking forward to reading it. Yeah, no, I'm, I will read the second book. So that like tells you that I, it grew on me, this ship book. This ship book. I am so close. I mean, like, I bought a bunch of corsets this year, and I'm just so close to just transforming. I did a little photo shoot where I dressed up like I was on a ship. So here's the real question. Are you going to make yourself a captain's coat? Yes, Or are you yeah. going to make Tom a captain's I've already made Tom a coat. That's true. Yeah. I mean, did I... Did you I, make his George Washington? Yeah, George I, I made that. I made that. I made okay, it. I made it. It was before we were sure. dating. I made it. Yeah. And my sewing machine crapped out in the middle. So the entire hem of that coat, which is, there is a lot of hem on that coat, is hand-stitched. That's incredible. And the cuffs and collar are hand-stitched. There is a lot of work in that thing, even though it's not lined. But <clears throat> I fucked up the back at the tails. I, like, didn't get it right. And it haunts me. Mm -hmm. It haunts me. It's not, it's not all the way right. But I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do better. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a. I didn't. I don't think I knew that you made that coat. It's I a did. beautiful coat. I made the hat too. I did not know that. Yeah. That's yeah. cool. I made the whole costume. It's like my, 
costuming portfolio. Uh, if you're mm-hmm. wondering what we're talking about, my par- <laughs> my partner, Tom, who edits this podcast, likes to dress up as George Washington sometimes and recently did a sexy George Washington photo shoot as part of our Indiegogo fundraiser, which actually, mm-hmm. great time to segue into that. Our Indiegogo campaign has been going really well. We actually hit mm-hmm. our first goal, um, as you know from last week, we hit our first goal of 2500 to buy a new studio computer really, really fast. And because of that, we were able to add a stretch goal, which we're a lot more excited about um, because it's it's not just the nuts and bolts of staying in business. It's also fun community building stuff. So we are now have a stretch goal of $5,000 and we are about, I think we're still about $1,800 um, away from that goal. When we hit 5000 we will be able to donate two recording setups to two local youth centers in our neighborhood of Notre-Dame-de-Grasse or NDG. Um, NDG is historically a lower-income neighborhood. It's gentrified very quickly in the last 10 years. And as a result, as often happens with gentrification, there are fewer and fewer resources available for the lower-income families that have been here for decades. Uh, like my family, in fact. By offering... Uh, these recording setups to the two local youth centers. We're allowing for youth who wouldn't have these, uh, wouldn't have access to this kind of equipment, access to it. We're letting them learn how to podcast and how to produce audio media. Um, We're also going to establish an ongoing relationship with the youth centers. So Tom will be teaching classes on how to make podcasts happen, showing the people who work there how to do the setup and how to export files and all of that, uh, giving advice on the best editing practices and stuff like that. Um, We're really looking at this as a way to further our mission of making podcasting accessible across all barriers. And another exciting aspect of that is that one of these studios will be wheelchair accessible, which our current Mm -hmm. studio is not. Um, So that's very exciting. So we really hope that you will donate to this. Um, The link is in the show notes every week. You can also share the link and there is a referral code option on Indiegogo and there are prizes to be won for both the highest number of referrals used and the highest dollar amount. So if you can get a bunch of people to donate $5 each, you have a shot at winning that prize. And if you have one person donate, I don't know, $1,000, you will probably definitely win that prize. But this is the kind of thing we've been trying to do with the network for a really long time and we're really excited to have this opportunity and we would really like to meet that stretch goal so please Mm -hmm. donate share send the link to your parents um or your rich friends or i don't know your sugar daddies like whoever and yeah let's let's make this happen and thank you so much to everybody who has donated because i know uh a few of you have and we appreciate that so much Yes, thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Yeah. If you want to leave feedback, suggest a book for us to read, or just say hi, send us an email at theyapodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at yapodcast and individually at tefferbear and at thebalesosaurus. If you like the show and want to help us make it even better, consider supporting us on Patreon. You can get all kinds of great perks, including early access to bonus content, shoutouts, guest appearances, and more. Head to patreon.com slash yapodcast to donate. Shout out to our patrons, Emmett Cameron, Emily Patton, Megan Jane, Maddie Dever, Chantal Thomas, Lizzie Tenhove, Kat McGuire, Erica Stitchberry, and Catherine Reshi. Thank you all so much. We love you. We have merch. Hit the merch link in the description of this episode to get some from the fine folks over at Tee Public. 
You can also always support us for free by leaving a rating and review on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts, by subscribing to us on Spotify, and by sharing this episode with a friend, maybe a friend who loves ships, or a friend who is a red-headed girl who can swing through the rigging, or a sea captain. Very interested <laughs> in those. Yes. <laughs> Kami! <laughs> Special thanks to Great Bear for letting us use their song Jenny's Group as our theme music. You can find their music for sale at greatbearmusic.bandcamp.com. This episode was produced by somebody named Tepper Ajemian and edited by somebody named Tom Zalatni as part of the Upford Network. You can find out about all the great shows on our network at upfordnetwork.com. I'm Tepper Ajemian and Tom Zalatni is my partner. That's the joke. Bye! (laughs) Bye! Dungeons, Dragons, Canada, the Multiverse Theory, Corgis, Queer Representation, Reconciliation, Angels, Demons, Squirrels, Moose, Moose and Squirrels, Sorcerers, Dinosaurs, Forests, Giants, Rogues, Warlocks, Plains, Sewers, Lavender, Natural Toonie, a Canadian Dungeons and Dragons podcast, right here on the Upford Network. If you're someone who interacts with kids, you're probably familiar with moments of being asked questions you're just not equipped to answer. Whether it's the old favorite, where do babies come from, or the nuances of discrimination, Rad Child Podcast has your back. Each episode, your host, Seth Day, leads a discussion about topics like race, disability, loss, gender, sexuality, and so much more. Our goal is to give grown-ups the tools to talk to kids about almost anything. So come give a listen. Rad Child Podcast. Helping to raise a generation of open, compassionate, rad kids. Available on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and just about anywhere else.